Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Doing good, Shad. Doing good. Good to hear it. We want to thank every one of you for being with us for this episode. And we're going to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. Let's see number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast with no spaces to save 10% off your order. I recently actually got to have a conversation with Al Snow and thank him for having a company that makes wrestling shirts that are actually comfortable to wear. Oh. <laughs> you mean you don't like you don't like WWE's like new burlap sack that's, style? That's actually what he said. He's he said, you know. I was just tired of, of shirts for the business being uncomfortable. I said, yeah, I don't really like it when the shirts that I buy are made out of, like, canvas sailcloth either. And his wife started laughing. I, You know, so. I never felt like the WWE ones were super uncomfortable until Matt got us a Becky Lynch one as a present a couple years ago. And that might have been the most uncomfortable shirt I've ever touched in my life. Well, that's sad because I said that. I said that as a which is which is a shame because it's a good shirt you know it's a good design it, it fits what I like in a wrestling shirt and it's it's straightforward but it's also not just like by the way here's my face I'm holding the title belt kind of obvious thing it, but it, like we've we've had to like wash it and treat it a little bit to soften it up um, I like it enough I don't I don't wear it a whole lot and that's not because there's anything wrong with it it's just shirts i really like i don't wear much um well it's sad because the the current wwe shirts remind me of i don't know i don't know if anyone listening was like when the attitude era was hot in like the 90s and like maybe a grandparent or something stumbled into like a kmart and got you like one of those off-brand, like cheapo WCW or WWF shirts that were just awful. I don't know what you're talking about. I bought my shirts from flea markets. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those 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 weird store ones that were obviously like you never saw them on TV or advertised, or like you'd never see them in a, an official event. Like those really bad ones. Like that's what their shirts feel like now. Yeah. So. I did purchase a Danhausen shirt that Matt was wearing on Tim's ah, live stream last week. Ah, very nice, very evil. Yes. That's what I think. Um, all right. So anyway, you want a comfortable wrestling shirt? Go get you one. They have the, uh, they have um, a uh, Daphne Unger uh, benefit shirt 
uh, proceeds from the shirt are not actually going to the family at the family's request. They're going to concussion research. So um, just got to, you know, uh, they're they're out there for sale and it's a good design. It's not I mean, it's it's Daphne on the front of it, but it's it's not gaudy about it. So and our other shout out means that we hand the ball to Matt. That'd be to Orlando Cologne. I'm sorry, say again. I don't know if uh, if he and I got together. I'm not sure if we could polish off three entire liquor carts. Damn it, we would oh. try. Oh, God. So is that is yeah. that what the damage was on that flight? That's what the Apparently. damage was on the pre-flight. Ooh. Oh, the pre-flight. I thought yeah. that it included the flight itself. No, so that's our segue. Um, we keep talking <laughs> that we're going to go back and, and finish the, uh, the global tournament but this popped up it's too big of a topic well, shit not keeps, to talk about shit keeps happening like i, I know right like you know play hey hey sad yeah plants change pal <laughs> but plants it's just change i swear this has been like one of the most eventful like summers like wrestling news wise in yeah in probably like a decade at least yeah and and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of heat with AEW, like not bad heat, like like it, they're getting attention. Well, I mean, they're like, they're beating is... Raw in the demo. I mean, there's been a lot of um upset about that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't I don't know if you you've seen this, but and partly this is just the brands trying to get social um like social engagement with people. But have you seen it like people like actual like brand companies? on social media like twitter and everything are like tweeting at aew they're like commenting whoever the people are that are running the the those social media accounts i feel somebody recently did them maybe it was like fruit of the loom or something like that they're getting like they're getting like eyeballs on them which it's like i did i wouldn't have expected i think it's because because if you look (laughs) at like how they're doing and they have been doing like they do really strong and like the demos you want especially like the male 18 to 49 which i have to think is hard to like nail down on television these days if it's not sports sports so for tmt yeah. to be to have gotten them in with this but i mean if you if you just watch the product versus raw though i mean like it's not monochrome it doesn't feel like an old person promotion like my wife even comments like people look happier there and i thought jim ross said i mean no i th- I thought jim Cornette said something really damning about the comparison when he was talking about um all out is he pretty much said like even the older stars in AEW seem younger than they do in wwe yeah well yeah i mean you have christian who is uh not long term getting a, a main event push but he you know he's gotten like a kind of a a, a main event mid-card. push at the time yeah and I think upper mid card is kind of like a good place for him to be considering he's bringing it in the ring. And he's a dude who I have to look it up, but I think he's like mid forties. So that's a dude that like normally, you know, times past, like that's the dude who'd be pretty much be put out the pasture. He'd just be, you know, being, being like a, essentially a glorified job guy to people kind of working, working with the younger people. And he is working with the younger guys, but he's putting on like fantastic matches. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
And I thought his promo on Adam Cole last week was really good. Yeah, no, he's when they signed him, I wasn't against it, but I was like, uh, that's good. But like, what are you really going to how much are you actually going to do with him? Yeah. And the answer is has been a lot. And he's mm-hmm. been doing a really good job. I looked at. Wow. He's 47. He's going to be turning 48. Wow. He's even older than I thought he was. And he's doing a fantastic job. They've wow. been they're really smart with how they use their older talents, though. Yeah, but man, man, because this episode is going to come out the day of. But that that show they've been pushing is almost pay-per-view-esque in its quality. It does have a pay-per-view quality uh, card. Like they could have run this as like the next pay-per-view and no one would have complained probably because yeah. it's that good of a, a, a card. And I think isn't is it Rampage this this Friday like two hours? Yep. Yeah. And, and it's got like um Punk too. and Punk and Powerhouse Hobbs are is on that yeah. one. Wow. But like, but I so I've I've kind of come and gone from AEW programming a lot, and I never really watch the side stuff. I usually just watch Dynamite. But since the pay per view, I've been super into it, and I've been watching everything. And man, when you watch all the programming, it's amazing. Like. They put so much time and energy into something like building Miro versus Fuego del Sol and like giving that a purpose when Fuego del Sol is essentially like a jobber. And it's just like, wow, like, you know, this is what I've missed. This is why I don't watch WWE anymore. This is like the kind of stuff I miss. I miss like all these little attention to detail and like putting thought and effort into making even the the simplest of matches matter yeah. in some degree mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a it's it's really refreshing and that makes it fun to watch and that um lucha bros versus butcher and the blade match from rampage is really good oh cool i haven't seen that yet uh i mean and but uh butcher's been kind of has been hurt lately but they that tag team is actually they kind of get slept on they do. Mm-hmm. I, but, I hated them at first. They made a bad first impression, but they're really like a solid. They're solid hands. I, I didn't hate them, but they. You kind of, unless you were like really super into the indies, you didn't know who they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they're, they're like they get slept on because they're actually a really good tag team. Um, and you don't, they haven't got as much attention probably because you have like a lot of it's, flashier yeah. tag teams, but. I mean, they're good. Like, I, I enjoy seeing those guys every week. And then there was also, I think it was Anna J versus the Bunny. Like, where Anna J was just throwing down with some vicious, like, forearms at the start. That oh, was a good match, Oh, good too. lord, yes. I saw, I think I messaged somebody about it when uh, when that happened. Anna J comes down there, and she just grabs the Bunny and starts laying him in. And I was like, damn, she got some working shots. She, She's like quietly like a great signing they made that WWE I don't think would have ever touched. Like she is like she is a quality talent that really just got slowed down by an untimely injury early in the year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's only been in the business like a couple years, and in terms of actual matches she's had, probably like what, uh, how many matches do you think she's had? A hundred? Maybe. Probably much less than that. Actually, probably much less than that. I don't know, um, but um, she's got some good teachers. She's she she kind of has like the Ty Conti thing where it's like, 
get put with the right teacher and you instantly start becoming better. I can't believe Ty Conti is the same person she was in WWE. No, she's she's so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both her and Ty Conti and Anna J, like they they AEW's start they kind of started off slow or you might say poor with their women's division, but their women's division I think right now is like it's like fire. Like they they have they have several people that can instantly they either are stars or could be huge stars for them that are ready to go right now like Britt baker thunder rosa even statlander uh and coming down the pike they have people who i think would be like big stars for them like Thun- uh <clears throat> like anna jay like ty Conti. i even think like it, she she has a lot of room to improve but i even think someone like jade cargill could be a star for them just because of her look yeah, they're gonna. She needs a lot of work, though. She needs a lot of work. I'm not saying like it's not gonna take a while, but she she could get there. I even think someone like Nyla Rose, who has been part of the champion, she's been featured a lot. Like I actually think she's improved a ton. Yeah, she has. She's got work on her personality. We've talked about this before, but we have. We did talk about this a couple episodes back. It's like if you if you follow her like on Twitter and all, like you could see like she has tons of personality. It's just not really translating, because it's more like it, it's like funny she's really funny and it's endearing and that doesn't necessarily translate into being you know like you're supposed to be this like monster badass heel yeah <laughs> it's like i guess if back in the day if you had like um amazing kong or or aja kong <laughs> and <laughs> you see like their twitter and their twitter they're like super super like fun and and like cute <laughs> and and making funny jokes like it'd kind of be this disconnect yeah but but they, they do so much more than like if you watch an Aja Kong match just I know Shad noticed that the one match I showed him of Hervis Minami Toyota just the expressions that Aja Kong has like when she was trying to pin Toyota and she would just have this look of disappointment when she only got the two and she double checked with the she'd go seriously yeah like she wasn't even mad about it she's just like come on. Do you know how hard I hit her? Yeah. <laughs> don't don't isolate that. And, he, and even um, like the even like the like you sure like I swear like that was a three you know. Yeah. And even like um awesome Kong had a lot has a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So then um I guess I guess so they after I guess it was after Dynamite wasn't it. They finally yep. did um, Dark Side of the Ring is something I think we've all watched some episodes on and we've talked about mm-hmm. a little here and there. But so they finally covered the plane ride from hell, which is kind of kind of an interesting event because that is like I think the first big wrestling scandal that broke in like the the shoot interview slash internet's a thing era and i think that's always why it gets talked about so much it was the biggest one i think that wasn't tied in with like uh switching companies or something because like the 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 montreal screw job the internet was was kind of kicking around at that point but this is where we're really getting into what you could call the internet wrestling community um, yeah, because right 97, the internet was not what it was even in, like, 2000. Yeah. Um, so 
Just as a, a little back backstory, this is a story about the plane ride that was back from, I think it was from London to Arizona after the Insurrection 2002 pay-per-view. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. And this was... And so, this was so let's let's lay a little groundwork here because several characters on this um, bear some importance. So they had spent from about October of 2001 to about March of 2001 picking up some guys that they had let go and some of those WCW contracts that as they expired. So they brought in Ric Flair. <laughs> Um, as Rumble surprises, they brought in Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning and Gold Dust. And uh-huh. in February, they brought in the NWO, which was Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash. A dose of poison. And I think Scott Steiner um, came in, but he doesn't play into this story. Right. And so one of the things that that comes into this is from everyone I've ever heard, all the way up to um, Dean Ambrose a couple years ago, talks about the the post-mania uh, Europe tours are just grueling because you are work you go there and you're working I don't I don't like a week or two matches every night in front of packed houses that are just absolutely rabid for you to be there so you're you know you're you're having to put, you can't slack any particular night. And then it's travel every day. So, you know, um, this, uh, you know, this day you're in Berlin and then the next day you're in somewhere in France and then you're in Edinburgh and then you're you're going down into to England and stuff like like it's just a lot of travel on top of, you know, you're 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 working hard every night. And so after insurrection, they're going home and. Apparently, from what from what this episode says, now there's there's a few things that I caught that I kind of look at this episode and go, hmm. But uh, one of the things that they had was uh, that they had um, they pointed out that there was a kind of a feeling of this is a time to unwind because they're getting on the plane and flying to. Was it a Raw or a SmackDown in Arizona? Uh, probably Raw, wasn't it? <clears throat> Since pay-per-views was on a Saturday, they're flying to Arizona, so it's probably Raw. <laughs> it was Raw. Yeah. Okay. And so they got I remember, this... I remember this happened... This came out, like, on a Sunday, because I remember it was, like, a slow news day, and this was, like, a day's worth of, like, stuff mm-hmm. coming out. Um when it happened because i was i i mean we we're all active internet posters at this point yeah and this was like i remember this was like just insane as it was going on that's why we're covering talking about it now is because this has just kind of lit the online wrestling community on fire from people who and this isn't like social media this isn't like social media days, so this is kind of still old school style. So, I mean, it took a while to really get a lot of the details. Yeah, so I a think, lot of the details were missing. Because I think, I think, I'm trying to remember, I think my observer, I think observers, I didn't have the observer at this point, but I think that came out on Wednesday. So, it was probably like later in the week when we had everything, when people started getting their observer issues on 
Wednesday, and I'm betting I'm betting a friend of the show, Christy Petrillo, is the guy that posted <laughs> a lot of the the down and dirty details on the smart marks um, from his Observer issue. Quite possibly. Yeah. Him or maybe one other guy, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was a while before, if I remember correctly, I might not. I've been hit in the head a few times. But it was a while before I think even Meltzer got a lot of the details. Out, yeah, because we just knew. I think we knew mostly about the firings and about what Flair did and what Dustin did. But I don't think we knew. Oh, and the and the Lesnar Kurt Henning thing. But I yeah. think I think some of the other stuff it took a while. Right. This there was a lot of things that were up in the air and that sort of stuff. So one of the things that the documentary. Um, doesn't do a great year this episode i guess calling it a documentary might be a little overshooting but this episode does is and that's not a knock on dark side of the ring it's just if it's only 45 minutes that it feels a little short to be a documentary to me but they're they're doing documentary style um the it was they talked about the fact that, um, for example, Vince and Linda rode. There was a private chartered jet that took everybody, took the performers and some of the higher ups from the states to Europe, and then this flight back. They, you know, you didn't have crew on the flight or, or things like that, um, and they were kind of offering it as a benefit because, like, well, you know, this is going to be rough, but here's something that's going to make things a little easier. Now, this is a point of contention because I think Jim Ross swears Vince was there. Yeah, well, they made it real clear that Vince was on the flight to there to Europe. But it's a question of was he on this particular flight? Yeah, now the thing, oh. now the thing I think we need to, to, to say, though, with this is this was done with people remembering something from 18 years ago, so... Facts are going to be a little muddled. And, and Meltzer thinks that they're conflating a trip that happened later in the year. Yeah. With this. So if he I, I tend to think he was not there. But I think I think some people misremember that he was just because of how. The human memory works. I was looking for the reference and I wasn't able to find it before we started that I believe Vince took an earlier flight back. Um, than than this flight was. But, and here's the other thing. No, oh, go ahead, Brad. I was gonna say, for all intents and purposes of this story, whether Vince was or was not on the plane, uh, Jim Ross is probably the senior most person in management at this point that is there to do anything about anything. Yes, he was the head of uh, the vice president in charge of talent relations. Yeah, he w- he had Johnny Ace's job essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, I'm I'm going to be of the opinion that Jim Ross is just better at it than Johnny Ace. Yeah, I I think um I think at this point, this is this is in defense of Johnny Ace. Like his current run, he's probably just not doing anything and just firing people when they tell him to fire them. Yeah, yeah. Because that that Nick that Nick Khan guy seems like he doesn't know how to handle people. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't help. But so Jr. was there and Jr. was was, for lack of a better term, he was the boss of the boys. He's sitting up front. Um, the higher ups are sitting up front and then the boys are in the back of the plane. 
Now, one thing that does come out about this, this plane sat on the runway for seven hours before it took off. Yeah, there was a there's a substantial delay, which seven hours. I don't know how often you guys fly. It's been quite a while. It's pre-pandemic for me, but it, that's a, that's an insane layover. So yeah. like the, I have a the, story. The flight would disembark at that. So, yeah, the flight the flight from Europe to the United States, uh, at least on the East Coast, should have taken seven hours. Like if they're if they're flying out of like Britain, which I think it probably was the case. Like that's a five hour flight. Like yeah. So I I had a 10 hour delay once they had to, there was something wrong with the plane and they had to take the entire plane apart and put it back together on the inside to figure this out. And I was supposed, I was, I was flying to Atlanta to fly to Austin, Texas, and I got delayed so long. I could have driven my car. If I would have gotten, if I would have gotten (laughs) in my car and just started driving to Atlanta when I got to the airport, I would have beaten that damn plane to to Atlanta. They, 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 well, they were taken apart, so they let you guys disembark, right? Well, no, we never got on. So I was in, oh, the, okay. I was okay. in the airport. No, I, if I, I would, I would, I would lose my shit if I was on a, one of those hey, small ass planes for seven hours. No, if oh, I guess I, those international I, ones are bigger, and they probably aren't packed to the gills. Well, and this was like a private, a, a yeah. chartered flight, okay. but still, like, it, if if you if you've been delayed, let's say two hours and you know it's going to be even longer like just let people disembark like they yeah have people take their chances in the the airport like i would go insane having to be let yeah, them get in, off a, in a plane so they can like go to the bathroom or get food or <laughs> not drink sit in, a, sit in a chair that's big enough for them that the last time i flew was three four years ago and I took um, it was an Allegiant flight, which that's that was the that was the the flight that we had that we could take. And I'm not a small human being, so the the toughest part for me was the fact that I actually had to take my my legs and fold my feet back under the seat I was in, so I had enough room for my knees in the row we were in. Yeah, but, I never fit in planes well, and I'm not yeah. even that tall. But um, yeah, they're they're on this this plane now. Now, can I ask a question of you because guys? This plane. Give mm-hmm. me just a second. This this plane typically and in commercial settings is a 150 seat seat plane. This was 50 seats and a luxury plane, so there's a lot more space to it. But still, okay. I'm sorry, Brad. Go ahead. So. Now, this is this is just to throw it out there, just a thought exercise. If they had let them disembark instead of them sitting on a plane for seven hours, do you think this would have happened? No. No. Yeah, I don't either. Here's why. They wouldn't have drank um, as much. Yeah. They were on the plane. Before takeoff, they went through three carts of liquor. Like, that's not like... They had a bunch of beers. This is hard-ass liquor, three carts full of, and we're not talking about the little travel bottles. We're talking about the full-size bottles. And they're if not they had, eating either. Yeah. They're, well, no, they were. They had food on the plane. Okay. But if you had disembarked from the plane, gone to the airport bar, and gotten sloshed, guess what would have happened? They wouldn't have let you on the plane. 
you would not have been in condition to fly, so they wouldn't let you, you on the plane until you sobered they, up. You would well, have drank they, less in, a, in the airport bar, too, though, because you would have had somewhere to be instead of sitting on the plane, and it kind of gets away from you over seven hours, too. And, well, and you would have had to pay for it. Yeah, well, yeah. It's it's airports are expensive, so if 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 you're getting free, like you'll just plow through those liquor carts if you happen to pay like you know twelve bucks. twelve twelve dollars a drink, uh, even like ten dollars for like a beer. Like you're you're probably gonna limit yourself, and you're probably at least, to, at least to an extent. And you're probably like watching some TV. You're bullshitting a bit, <laughs> so you know you're nursing. You're nursing yeah. that beer instead of being like, I've been on this plane for four hours, like fill me up, make it a double. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, because so, I, I think I think what we can, the one thing I could say about this is this was, I would say, ninety five percent of this mayhem was all fueled by too much alcohol. Too much alcohol and go. So I think you're getting ready to say it, aren't you, Matt? Uh, well. I'm not sure what you think I was going to say. They were using other substances besides alcohol. But they one thing that is noted at the very beginning when they're discussing the the seven hour delay, the stewardess, the flight attendant, sorry, who is probably like the the, well, the the main one, the only one that they really interviewed. But the person who seems to have been like the the brunt of a lot of things that happened. Yeah. uh, When they were on that delay, like they had three full liquor carts that they, well they had one liquor cart they plowed through that a second yeah. one was called up they destroyed that too and then a third one was called and i think uh that they probably drank all of that too but the interviewer asked her like is that common uh and she was like i know like we usually most flights like you never even finish one cart yeah <laughs> and they also mentioned um, a common gag that happened at the time was called H-bombing. It's throwing a halcyon in somebody's drink. Um, if that had happened in the airport bar, then no, they wouldn't have let somebody on the plane like that. Well, they it, wouldn't it, have done it in the airport bar because I, they're all uh, – like it, they're a bunch of degenerate weirdos. But I think I think in the back of their mind it would be like, well, he's got to get on the plane and stuff versus he's on the plane. Like, oh, well, I can, you know – yeah, well, H-bombing was not done. You didn't do it to yourself recreationally. You did it to somebody else. No, but that's what I'm saying. I think I think if they had been in the airport bars, they would have been more restrained about it because then you didn't. I mean, most of them are lunkheads and idiots and obviously degenerates from what we saw. But I think in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I don't want him to get stranded here. And if I do this, I have, you know, that I'm partially responsible to get his ass on the plane versus you're on the plane like, eh. What do I care? I don't know. Um, some of them, yeah, and then some of them, I'm thinking they might have just gone ahead and done it. But I mean, they might die uh, on the plane later. I just yeah. So for uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna break this discussion up into uh, really five sections about on the plane and then a follow up after it. But the first section, oh, um, just in case, in case you want to watch this, by the way, Vice put it for free on their YouTube channel. Um, guests that they interview for this are Rob Van Dam, Mike Chioda, Terry Reynolds, um, the attendant that we already mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Credible, and Tommy Dreamer. Yes. 
Just and... incredible as a painfully normal human being. I don't know how he ended up in the wrestling business. Just incredible follows us on Twitter. Yeah, he does. And I'm not and saying that is him. a. I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm just like, man, like you were in the wrong business, dude. You were way too like, have too much of a soul to be in wrestling. And uh, on Twitter, he's he seems like a nice guy. He's he mostly kind of just like uh, retweets stuff. Sometimes he will post tweets, but he he's not there. Look, there, there's a lot of people in the wrestling business, especially. He's not that old. He's probably like in his 40s, I guess. Yeah. Um, but definitely people who are around in his era who are maybe not the best, um, the most moral people. They're kind of yeah. a lot of them are kind of gross. But he yeah. is normal and and polite and nice, which is not. I don't say that in a bad way. Like you, that's you. You kind of. I, I I'm of the age, I guess. That I kind of want that. Like yeah. yeah. And some of the stuff that came out here. <clears throat> Um, and I haven't, I guess this week they're airing the Canyon episode. Uh, it just made me flashback to a few months back where all the heat that like Undertaker got or some of the comments he made about how like basically this modern generation soft. Yeah. And I don't think I kind of, in a way I might agree in some respects where it's like, because I think. I'm of a certain age where I think like the younger generation is a little bit soft, mm. but I also feel like you might undertaker. You might be the worst person to be making this argument. You know, he didn't really shit. say that. Cause I watched that episode. He, he did say that, but he's like, he didn't really condemn them. He was just kind of like, eh, you know, I just, it makes me kind of things different. Yeah. yeah. He's just kind of like, you know, I kind of, it makes me kind of nostalgic for the way it was when I was young. Like that's yeah. more of what it was and people misconstrued it. I don't feel like he had anything. He wasn't really saying anything bad. It was just an old man kind of being like, oh, yeah. you know, to be 20 again and invincible. I miss how it was back then. But... At the same time, listening to the, these stories from the plane ride from hell and thinking about that and thinking about some of the things that people have said he did. Uh, like, I guess, uh, it's kind of like going on a tangent, but Rene Dupre got yeah. interviewed on a recent uh, podcast that I guess focused primarily on like 90s wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, he got interviewed and he basically he was not very kind to Taker and some of the things that he said Taker either was responsible for or allowed to happen back when he was his, you know, I'm a locker room leader phase. Yeah. Um, if it's true, it's like it's pretty gross. Like, one thing. That is like he would get he claimed like he would get bullied um, and basically treated like shit because and it was because like, well, you didn't come drink, out drinking with the boys, you know, so they treated him like shit for that. And he's like, I was never invited. I had they treat they got taker got pissed off that I didn't come out for a night of drinking one day when actually no one ever told me that it was happening. So it's like I even if I wanted to like I wasn't invited i didn't even know about what the details were mm-hmm. so you know he you're gonna hold know some... where to go yeah you're you're holding something against me when you never actually gave me that information which is completely unfair and that's only like one thing like there's a lot of things it's like it makes me think like i hate to be this person like the the kind of more modern day i'm not gonna say like woke but it's like you know maybe maybe the the good old days weren't all good maybe there were some really like shitty things like in, in fairness, we can go into it mm-hmm. in fairness to taker it does seem like he changed at some point towards like the latter decade of his career 
Maybe it was being around less. But he he really did have what, like, I'd say, like, that 2000 to 2003 era, he was a real prick, though. Was that the up-his-own-ass biker-taker phase? Yeah. But I think I think I think the other thing we have to think about with there though is when when the business is hot, I think guys are self-medicating a lot because they don't want to miss time. Yeah. Because that's all absolute. that all that money and I think I think I think you see a lot from those really hot eras like like Austin really turned into like just an ass. Um rock got out. Like I think it just brings out the worst in people and like business is really hot. Uh, but we can, we'll talk about it given some of the behavior that, but some things, I don't know if you want to talk about the, more about the H bombs now, or you want to wait a minute. Let's we'll, we'll revisit the H bomb stuff. Yeah. Cause that, that to, the whole H bomb thing itself, what we'll discuss why I feel this way in a minute, but it's to me, that's completely sociopathic behavior. Yeah. It's like, that's it's, honestly, it's fucking, it's fucking insane to me that you would do that to people. I know, I know people would disagree because like what Flair did is inexcusable, but I think the the H bombing thing is the worst thing they were doing on that flight. It it's tough to say because it's like, what's worse, uh, drugging someone or sex pest behavior? Yeah. Uh, so it's tough. It's like, what, pick your poison. But you could have. So, so here's here's my my reasoning for it. Like you could have you could have killed Michael Hayes. Mm-hmm. Like it is it is super irresponsible behavior. It is it's essentially well, date rape behavior. Like oh it is. In, in the, oh well, and that's that's an allegation that comes out is that this they, they would the boys whoever whichever combination would routinely do it to rats like they would do it yeah so they they're they're basically without naming names and without really like hardcore admitting it it's like they're basically admitting oh yeah we would date girls all the time because because what i think because what i think what i think flair did is awful and i think i think shame on that airline for pressuring her to settle instead Mm -hmm. of like getting what she wanted out of that but like what he did is inexcusable he should have been fired honestly and i don't think you can you can kind of go oh old memories and he said she said but flair has a pattern of behavior which gets him no benefit of the doubt in regards to that but i still think the i still think i still think i to me the h bombing is worse because you could have killed someone and it also shows a pattern of behavior that those people might have partaken in some very shitty behavior. Yeah. On it's, the side. Again, it's, it's a pick your poison. I think I'm, I'm probably would tend to agree with you just because the ramifications are worse. And the fact, again, that they, they did admit that the boys would r- routinely H bomb ring rats or yeah. people. It's like it kind of does edge it to to worse because you you could have killed Michael Hayes and Scott Hall claimed that he th- he thinks it was done to him, which is plausible. Uh, you could have killed them, uh, but besides that, you 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 basically are saying like you routinely would do this to date rape girls. So it kind of con- it combines the as the danger aspect of it plus sex pest. Sexual and I think the fact that you have. I think the fact that you have you easily have access to it that you can do that to someone's drink is really fucked up, um, and mm-hmm. it really makes me question um, that person's soul 
Well, the I did some checking before we got into it because I knew this was going to come up, and I did, had a training about it uh, a couple of months ago because in my day job, I end up working with a lot of people who are either they're in recovery or they're in they're incarcerated because of addiction related behavior and the um halcyon's a benzo and i know matt was saying something about it earlier but th- that can jack yeah. you up real quick it's a benzodiazepine which yeah. um i've said before like i'm not i'm not in the medical uh field uh i don't share really what i do it for a living but i i've i do see a lot of medical records and medical evidence um so i know a little bit more probably than i guess the average lay person i'm in no way a doctor i'm not trying to present myself as such but i know probably slightly more than the average person about benzos uh the most common benzo i guess is like xanax and tons of people take xanax but it's like you it's a it i guess because so many people take it uh they kind of like just shrug the shoulders at it. Another popular one that's, I think it's used slightly less. Uh, it was used more prevalently before is Valium. It's yeah. like these, uh, these are psychoactive drugs. Mm. They're meant, they are for anxiety. They're for, sometimes they're actually used for seizure medications because it can, uh, yeah. depress your immune system, not your immune system. You can depress your, uh, your system, but you can overdose. Like you can oh, overdose yeah. to the, to the point where, again, if you take a depressant, like people don't really understand what that means, but it's like it de- it can literally depress both your central nervous system and your respiratory, your cardio respiratory system. Needs, it can yeah. literally stop your heart and stop your breathing, and, and you it die. Needs to, it needs to be mentioned too. The a number mm. one thing with benzos is do not mix them with alcohol. No, no, yeah. and that that's yeah. that's the quickest and that's exactly way, what they were doing because that's the didn't um, way to die. Who someone famous died mixing ben well quite a few famous it, people have died mixing benzos and alcohol. Was it was it Heath Ledger who who accidentally I think it, he might have been the one who it may have like, been it was like a drug cocktail. Yeah, Alcyon is uh, an insomnia treat. Most commonly, from what I understand, it's an insomnia treatment mm-hmm. and it's a trank. It's a tranquilizer. Yeah, and and. Uh, playing the Joker got in Heath Ledger's head. He didn't sleep well, and you know, put it together. And they, the other thing, it's it's super easy to get hooked on on different kinds of benzos. Mm-hmm. And even like, let's say that normally they when they're prescribed, you know, they don't they give you super low doses, and they don't give you a lot of them. You can still have withdrawal symptoms even with yep. like super low doses and stuff. Just from a, a quick look right here, it's like withdrawal from high doses you and you can end up having seizures or um different forms of psychosis set in because I, of what it does yeah i'm pretty sure one of the uh the more frequent uh side effects if you have like if you're trying if you basically become addicted and you're trying to wean off of it you can have suicidal ideation like you can literally mm-hmm. want to kill yourself because yeah. it's you, you start having like you said like psychoactive effects Mm-hmm. Uh, nope, it can um, cause... China did it. Okay. Oh, China okay. Did accidental I mean... overdose of alcohol and prescription <laughs> drugs, including diazepine, oxycodone, oxymorphone, and timet. That is a that's, lot of depressants. That's a horrible. That's a horrible combination. Um, but I had a guy in one of my classes. I'm sorry, Matt. I cut you off there. No, I apologize. But a guy in one of my classes told me that it, it, at one point. He was both hooked on opioids and benzos, and if you had 
if he was locked in a room, the way, the way he said it to me, if I was locked in a room and you came in and you said I could have, you know, uh, a gram of, of heroin or you could give me a benzo, I'd take the benzo 11 times out of 10 because that's that's how hard that had him hooked, like over the top of opioid addiction. And and the like people coming off of opiates, it's referred to as dope sick whenever you come down off of it. And it, it, it won't kill you, but it'll make you feel like it does. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that ties in with that. But, you know, benzo um, withdrawal can jack you up in a lot of ways. And so the fact that they were taking these things and throwing them in, like we said, this is a liquor cart. This isn't like sitting around drinking beer. This is, They're throwing them in hard liquor that people are drinking when you're not paying attention. Because why? Because it's funny if a guy stumbles around and he's cognitively impaired. That's why they did it. Like, how jacked up is that? I've it's completely messed up. <laughs> no, it's completely messed up. I can't. I'm having. I've, I've only found the one on the benzos. Usually, it seems like cocaine and oxycodone is what gets a lot of the people. Yeah. But, so. Um, it's like they are playing a prank in a very dangerous way. And the first one that they mention um, in the episode is Michael. what happened with Michael Hayes. Is they believe that someone H-bombed him. And so he's just, you know, he stumbled around, he, sat in his, he, he collapsed in his seat and he passed out. Well... Before that happens, like he he was a member of man. He at that time he was part of uh, I don't know if he was part of the booking team or the writing team or just an agent, but he was he was you know effectively management. Yeah, yeah. And he was like out of control and drinking, getting sloshed himself. And one thing that he did, uh, I guess Bradshaw was was sleeping or he was resting something, uh, and oh, he. Yeah. He had had a match at the at the at the I believe it was the insurrection pay per view where he got uh, cut open. Yeah, he um, intentionally. I don't know if he bladed. Yeah, bladed or a hard way. He got cut open, and just Michael Hayes. Just just I guess I don't know if they had heat, uh, or just him being like, you know, piece of shit. He comes up in his drunken state and he punches like a a, a sleeping or a resting Bradshaw. So it's like not if Bradshaw could have put his hands up defending himself he just punches him in the the healed in, not yeah, really healed, but closed wound and bradshaw just starts like he just starts bleeding it busts him yeah right open again and like they almost fight of course uh and then after that he's when he got h-bombed which okay you know could have been he got h-bombed not necessarily by bradshaw but in the retaliation that doesn't right. seem like bradshaw's mo from anything i've ever heard about him no, Bradshaw seems like the guy who he would just fight you or yeah. bully you. He just it, he he, would, he likes the I would call it football like old school football hazing stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I don't think Bradshaw would. I, yeah, I I don't think he would fight with a member of management at that, especially at that point in his career. But you know, to get up and be hot about it makes. You know, makes perfect sense. Um, and then Michael Hayes sits down and passes out. The follow-up story 
is that um, Sean Waltman, who unfortunately has a history of substance abuse and, and pretty severe substance abuse, um, felt like Michael Hayes was dogging him in creative and booking and that sort of stuff. And there's Michael Hayes passed out. So he, um, I don't know where he got a pair of scissors from. Lord knows, but, you know, cut Michael Hayes' ponytail off. And Michael Hayes has had long hair since the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just hacked it right off. I think, he, I think he was, I think he was, like, doing the skullet thing at this point, though. Yeah, yeah. You, you saw him wearing a lot of hats if he appeared on any kind of media at this yeah. What was he doing... What was he doing when he was managing the Hardys? Um, I know he dressed like them, but I think he just he didn't have a hat, did he? I he might have had a hat. He might have like a like a little trilby or something. But. Okay. The really screwed up thing is that the dude by the plane ride from hell, mm-hmm. he looked so much older than he was because mm. he was like chronologically he was like forty three. Yeah, because he he got in at like I think in like seventy nine when or seventy eight or seventy nine when he started he was only like seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. Michael Hayes has always looked kind of old for his age. He, no, he, no, not when he was not like if you watch World Class he doesn't look he doesn't look young but he doesn't look old either. Okay. Yeah. But um, you know there it is and. They've, they've lopped his ponytail off and everybody in the Well, you know place. you know what Cornette said about the Freebirds, though, right? Uh, they love their Jack Daniels? No, that most wrestlers ha- just take their personality and crank it up to 11, and the Freebirds have to crank their personality down to about a 5. Oh, oh, wow. Whew. Uh, yeah, I can see how that would um, make some enemies. Uh, but so this happens and of course this turns into a big thing later whenever Hayes comes around because uh, obviously uh, and no one's no one's ratting out um, Waltman for it. Well, they styled it as like everyone was basically cheering and laughing that it happened. Yeah. And yeah. They, they, it was uh, was it Jim Ross? Uh, some, I think it was Jim, J.R. basically saying like uh, Sean was holding it up almost like he was holding up the a world title belt and everyone was cheering and, and laughing and they he they, the ponytail was kept because one of the stories at the end like when they actually did land i guess at raw uh it had been put into like a little baggie and taped to the dressing room door and yeah yeah jr was like i, I tore it down and it's like yeah you didn't want like more heat but that's that is kind of funny and again I would the H bombing thing is gross. It's 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 gross and sociopathic behavior, but it is funny to see a guy who's part of management and effectively being a bully, kind of get a, his comeuppance. It's just that I don't like the whole like drugging aspect. No. If he had just like fallen asleep and had his ponytail cut, and it, okay. And it needs to be talked about too because Jim Ross said it when he went over this that there were guys. Mm-hmm. I think he was singling out Arn Anderson without saying it. He talked about guys that had just become agents and had not figured out that they couldn't be one of the boys anymore, that they had to be authority figures that really did not help the situation. Oh, okay. I, mean, I, that I was... wasn't sure who to put a finger on in there, but... You know, yeah, I mean, that. It, that's kind of true. Like, and, and I love Arn, but Arn, 
uh, and I think Aaron maybe has learned his lesson or I don't know what, I don't know fully the role that he has with AEW. I don't know if he's just a manager or a, a manager trainer. I don't know if he does road agent stuff too, but he may have learned his lesson, but that was something that ultimately kind of, uh, basically ended his career in the WWE. No, he hung around till he hung oh, no, around not, until, um, oh, n- no, like I don't mean like, wasn't it? no, no, yeah. you, you let me finish. Like, I don't think oh, okay. that Sorry. It, it wasn't his career. He was, uh, he was kind of on like thin ice here after this uh, yeah. plane ride from hell, but that's not what ended it. What ended it, I think, was years later. He kind of allowed some bad behavior too. I think one of the things they that let I Alicia heard, Fox work yeah. drunk. I think yeah, Alicia Fox got him fired. Worked, like, yeah, work drunk, and uh, I don't know everything about Alicia Fox, but uh, it did seem for a time, maybe still, like she had some bad substance issues. Yeah. Mostly yeah. With, uh, not well not with drugs with uh alcohol yeah yeah i i just like them the way noam dar used to say her name which is alicia fox (laughs) sorry that was that was a 205 live thing so no one no one that sounds like trying to skate something by the censors that way yeah that's pretty much but i mean it was on the network only at the time so um You know, he did something. It was the grossest thing. So Noam Dar in progress, just as a side note, he would get a guy in a camel clutch and he'd be chewing gum during the match. He'd take the gum out of his mouth and he'd put it in the other, his opponent's mouth while I had him in the camel clutch. Oh, and then the crowd would chant, you sick fuck at him. And I was that's like, that's a chant for it. And I was like, well, that's actually a good way to get he Because you would just hear the crowd like screaming in horror, like he'd slowly like sell it as he did it and then he put it in their mouth and it, it skeeved me out every time but it was also hilarious yeah um so for the next section that happens here because the michael hayes is one of the shorter ones of yeah this. do we, we want to do the scott hall part because that part's short and i think he's his is gross but more harmless i think well, in the grand scheme of things <clears throat> it's i'll go with it for shorter the the harmless I, I'm only saying harmless because I legitimately don't think he remembers he did it. And um, I don't think he ultimately meant any harm by it. I think he just woke up and he was being a drunken weirdo. And it's gross. Well, and you're everything, missing but... part of it, too. But so, OK. I just meant the, the face looking thing, but I don't th- I, I believe him when he says he doesn't remember it. So, well, there, there's more to it than that. Also, okay. but we'll get there. Um, all right. If you've been a wrestling fan for more than about 15 minutes and have heard anything about Scott Hall, you know two things. One, he's very talented and very smart about wrestling. And two, dude has some problems. And he hasn't had Jake Roberts luck with, with yeah, him cleaning he's, up. Yeah, he's dropped off the wagon at least once. Um, but so Scott Hall... Uh, they brought him in as part of the NWO angle and Scott, like whenever he came in with the NWO angle, they actually, he was actually taking antabuse at the time. Mm. Um, I don't know if I, then, I, I remember reading that. I don't know if in hindsight with everything that happened, I don't know if I believe him that he was well, taking it like he should have been. That's okay. The follow up I had was, I don't believe he took it for as long as he probably should have. But, you know, when he came in, he was taking antibiotics. 
he was having antabuse administered to him. So it wasn't like on him to take it himself. It was he goes to someone who gives it to him. But the problem is he didn't stay on it. So the story from the episode, and I'm sorry if I'm if I'm you know bogarting on this, but I watched it and I, re- I, I made notes and that sort of stuff. Um, Hall's passed out in the seat, right? And the the poor flight attendant who had all of this, you know, Matt put it very well, caught the brunt of a lot of this. Mm-hmm. She comes by and she's trying to check on it, right? Because she's just because everybody in the plane she's like, oh god, you think Scott's okay? You think? It's, and so she goes to check on him because for, on this flight, for God's sake, he could have been dead and people wouldn't have noticed for a while. Well, wasn't that wasn't that mentioned in the dark side? Episode? Like, people were actually concerned that he may be mm-hmm. dead. Yeah, that was yeah. I think I think Jim Ross mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she goes to check on him. And he kind of comes to and he grabs her and her recounting is he said what he wanted to do to me and then licked my face. And I was trying to get away from him, and he's a big guy, and he wouldn't let go. And then he passed back out, and I was able to get away from him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, holy crap. Um, like, it, as weird as it is, if he had just, if someone comes by and shakes him, like, hey, man, are you, leans down, like, dude, are you okay? And he just, like, kind of blearily opens his eyes and leans over and licks your face. That's weird as hell, but... Um, might fall into the like really weird but ultimately harmless phase but with the overtures that the flight attendant is referring to without coming out and saying it it's like whoa we have crossed over into some like like danger danger kind of territory stuff but he claims Um, he thinks they they got him too right yeah he was alleging that he believes that i think was it also X? He said Xbox, but he says he thinks he that he, he was, was he got. Oh, Henning, you're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Like that, no, that he did say that that he believed it was Henning. Which, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, unfortunately, it sounds like that is something that Henning could have done. But he yeah. said he alleges that he he thinks he was H bombs. He doesn't really recall anything about his Wait, behavior. But um, okay, so so he could be right. We also have to remember if he he's an alcoholic and they can go from zero to a hundred on the drunk scale pretty easily and blackout pretty easy. Um, it seems like he this was like f- f- fully substance um, driven and I don't think if he had been in his right mind he would have done this. I don't know, man. He it's. Bad, but you would like to think that a man who, if he had all of his uh, all of his faculties, that he wouldn't just be like sexually accosting a woman. Yeah, I think he might have said some shit, but I don't think he would have accosted her. Well, he may have said some shit, but he maybe would not have actually like put hands on her. Yeah, that's what she that's what I and licked think. and licked her, which yeah. is something else that she said he did. Yeah, so it's it's a like this is a this just this one incident is in this small like really weird microcosm uh, of what what happened and 
something he had had else. behavior problems though. So he'd been there. Yeah. At this point, he'd been there since like late February, and his match with Austin at Mania got cut way short because he was drunk. So he was on thin ice at this point. So this is this this is just to give you an idea of his pattern of behavior at the time. Also, Austin was Austin was working with Scott Hall because Austin didn't trust Hogan. And so they put him with Hall. It's just like, wow, okay. He couldn't there was no winning for losing. Also, Austin has admitted that he was not in a good place and he was he didn't trust he trusted very few people. But No, Austin was Austin was deep in his own addiction yeah. slash when did um when did he get when did the domestic violence did that happen the next year with him or was that later this year um i think it was the next year or the year after like oh three oh four maybe but i can't swear to it um but yeah he was he was he was really deep into problems at this point yeah so um this happens and Scott Hall is just like first of all if you watch this episode just just to bear in mind I'm pretty we're, I'm I'm fairly certain that stories from this were not told in chronological order why I don't know but it would have um, helped with a cohesive narrative honestly I I guess or or they're they're moving things around for the sake of time you know, between commercial breaks. So it's like, we can either talk about this one thing here, or we can put these two things together here. And if we do it chronologically, we've got a break in the middle of this one big thing. Maybe. The problem, the problem is, is like, if you, if you, if you look at like the Jim Ross transcript from the Conrad pod, prog, okay, I can't talk podcast. <laughs> you can really feel like it getting worse and worse and worse, because I think by this point, like the Henning Lesnar thing it already happened and scared the crap out of everyone it's it's presented that way um in the episode um that's that's one of the first things that they talk about uh they like hit a door didn't they like run into like a door or something yeah um yeah we can go ahead and move over to the the henning i don't remember what henning did to piss brock off they were so they it was because, a shaving cream incident wasn't oh it? He yeah was putting okay. shaving he was putting shaving cream on guys heads which is something they would do i guess uh, a rib if people were sleeping you just yeah. you put a bunch of shaving cream on top of the person's head and then slap your hand on their head uh, and it, of course, the shaving cream would go everywhere. And if a person was sleeping, you know, it'd wake them up. Um, in terms of like ribs, this is arguably the mildest of all the stuff that would happen on the plane ride from hell. But I think they and, so there's there's also <clears throat> some backstory to them though because they're both University of Minnesota guys, and they <clears throat> both had like amateur backgrounds. So I think. This was on top of like a lot of preening and puffing at each other that had probably been going on for a bit. Yeah, maybe. Well, we should also uh, we should also kind of say that there's not Brock wasn't apparently immune to doing sex pest stuff too because the very yeah. first part of this episode at the insurrection pay per view, like Terry Terry Runnels, who had just divorced or separated from Dustin. Alleged that Brock basically exposed himself to her. Yeah. And Dustin told her, which was a common 
I guess a common theme throughout this that don't sell it, meaning like don't don't mention it, don't bring it up, don't report it, anything like nothing like that. And I have to figure that that part of that goes with the idea that if you just ignore the bully, you're no fun and they'll go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I, think, I don't know I think, you guys, but how well did that? And then second, I think Dustin you, was I think Dustin was actually giving her career advice of don't report it because he's their golden boy right now. And it's just going to yeah. cost you your job. If if you kick up a fuss about it, then it's going to, um, you know, it's going to affect people's perceptions of you and that sort of stuff. Yes, because you're right. Um, because it has to be said at this point, Terry Reynolds is like a 12 or 13 year veteran in the mm-hmm. in the business, going back to like the York Foundation and WCW. Yeah, that's true. So she like so for this to for this to be notable to her in this environment had to have been super obnoxious or very upsetting just to give it like, just to put like some, some context into it. Yeah. Um, she, she said that when Dustin's like, don't sell it, she goes, I'm not, I wasn't going to, but she just wanted to not be in the same place. And, which I think is a fair. Yeah, it's just like, oh god, get away from me. Um, it, there's there's this one of the things that pervades this, and you know, I'm saying this coming out of a martial arts and professional wrestling background. This hyper masculinity hazing mentality that that some people seem to is just exhausting. It it's it is it's like why do we have to why are you wanting to do this shit? It's like, well, it was done to me. It's like, and you think that that's something good to pass on. It's like, just let it die. Be the one who kills it. So it doesn't have to be an issue anymore. You know, like I didn't get, I didn't really get it and get this kind of crap in the locker room myself, but there's, you know, as, as one of the biggest guys in the locker room, and uh, someone who had just, you know, a, a whiff of, you know, legitimacy behind him. I figure they probably came to the conclusion that it wasn't worth the hassle. But, you know, why? Why why go through all this? Why, why don't, you know, show's over. Just sit down and relax and take a load off. And, you know, why go through all this? Because it, it, it's not really funny it's it's a it's a pain in the ass is what it is well the problem too is though at this point they've probably been trapped on a plane for yeah for seven or eight hours and i think i think i'm normal normal non-sociopaths would be going a bit nutty and you put a bunch of like drunk wrestlers on there and i think it's just it's just a total recipe for disaster i just meant in general like and, you know, this is this is sort of this stuff. is also like 2002. Like you can't be playing on your phone. Maybe a couple of guys have like a you know like a Game Boy Advance or something. You know, I mean, there's probably just some crappy movie on like the 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 on the in-flight that you know you've already seen three times. Like I could see kind of why I can see why this happened. It doesn't excuse it, but I think. Yeah. I think they really, if they had just let them off the plane, I think this would have not happened. 
And so you had Henning and Brock, you know, Henning does this, he smacks the shaving cream, Brock chase, and these guys start like wrestling around on the plane. Brock Lesnar is six foot three, three hundred pounds, and Henning was right around six feet. You know, at the time he was he was heavier than his earlier Mr. Perfect run. I don't I don't know how big he was, but they're like slamming back and forth inside the yeah, plane. Yeah, Henning Henning was not a small boy, let's just say no. that. Mm-hmm. And he was, much, of, he was sorry to cut you off, uh, Chad. He was he was much bigger than people kind of realize. Yeah. He hung out with like he hung out with the <laughs> I they, I don't remember which documentary that was, but he was part of that like Minnesota crew that like worked bars like as bouncers. It was like him and Rick Rude and the Road Warriors and a couple <laughs> other guys. So I mean like, Barry Darso, I think. Yeah, Barry Darso. So all of those guys I, are big big boys. Yeah. Yeah, and I. Just one last point is kind of like anecdotal. Like a lot of wrestlers sometimes are much bigger than people kind of think that they are. I mean, obviously, like the stereotype is that uh, wrestlers are big, but you think that because things are different now than they were like in the 80s and 90s, like guys are generally smaller. But you can still wind up with guys that are like deceptively big. Oh, like I told you, I've, I've said before, like I've. Uh, yeah, Cesaro is, is. I don't know how like broad or me- and muscular he is. He looks really good. I mean, he might be very tall, but his muscles guys have like, muscles like in person, though. <laughs> yeah, I've I've said before, like I've I've kind of seen Billy Gunn in person. Like I, I didn't oh, walk up huge. and introduce introduce myself, but I was like literally like three feet away, and the dude is giant. Like he's like legit, like six five, and I think he's probably on the gas, but he's like he's incredibly muscular. Like he's a big dude, but even a guy like Juice Robinson, because uh, I saw him after a show uh 2018 like the the mania weekend in new orleans like he was working one of like the the russell con shows and that dude is much bigger and muscular than you think like so mr like kurt henning was was big like he was he he because brock has kind of pushed has been pushed so consistently for years as a monster it's like you don't you kind of think he's more larger than life than he is which is not to say he's not big but the point is like henning it's not unbelievable that henning was going toe-to-toe with him yeah in in this in this setting where there's not enough room to get to the floor and that sort of stuff yeah mm-hmm. totally um by the way cesaro and billy gun billy guns listed as six four cesaro's listed six three and a half ddp's listed six three and a quarter uh, I've met DDP. I haven't met Cesaro or Billy Gunn, but you know, I'm eye to eye with with DDP and Sting. So yeah, it's six three. Billy Billy Gunn is legit. Whatever he builds himself at, because he's big. Now I'll tell you who I who I've seen in person who, because he was so big, like in his prime, he felt like he was actually taller than he really was. Was Lex Luger? Oh yeah. Lex Luger was just like. Did either of you ever see him like at a live event or anything? When he I've not. never met. No. Not not well, meet him, but like see gone okay. to a show with him wrestling and been close to him. Uh yes, I believe I did. I did, I went to like a a WCW house show way back in the day, but that literally was like ninety seven. So yeah. I I would I was a kid, I have no I I have no recollection of how he, big he was in person. He was he was huge in person. Like just the, just all that muscle and everything. Mm-hmm. And the just, only person Oh, go ahead. Scott Hall's really tall in person too. Yeah, he's he's a big guy. The only person I remember from who from that uh that house show 
being like gigantic was naturally like Big Show <laughs> or yeah. the back then the giant. Like he was when I saw him there at that show, I was like, Jesus Christ, that's the, probably the biggest man I've yeah, ever I, seen. Like I in saw person. I saw Goldberg jackhammer him at a house show. I saw Big Show uh, at the last house show I went to, which at this point would be like 15 years ago. Even sitting halfway up the stands, now I wasn't ringside. I was in the stands sitting halfway up. I was just impressed by the sheer size of Big Show. It was just, it was intimidating from where I was sitting. But anyway, so Henning and Brock are slamming back and forth. And of course, the staff's freaking out because it's like, oh God, you can do a lot of damage here. And it, it, they did, um, the story is that they did slam into one of the emergency exits. Yeah. The, yeah, go ahead. The 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 flight attendant said, you, you're not going to open one of those emergency exits on a pressurized cabin when we're at 30,000 feet. But it got everybody's attention, and they started freaking out to the point where the pilot came back and, and chewed them out over And um, I just want to throw it out there. If, um, if you want to know what, like, decompression in flight is like, look up the Payne Stewart ghost plane. If you want an idea of what happens if, like, you lose pressure at altitude, just for um, morbid curiosity's sake. Yeah, that's a yeah. scary. Or was it I, was it was it one of the Leonard Skinner people that that happened to too? I thought that that was just a crash, but I'm not sure. I thought someone else had happened to. Probably. Well, I I think I think this is part of where like much like many things many aspects of, of real life i think hollywood and movies have kind of ruined things for people because you know, you'll see movies where it's like some sort of like a, a, maybe a terrorist in the plane or something where it's like you see the like the, the door the emergency door like fly open because of something and it's like that's it actually is the amount of force required to break that open when it's pressurized like you, you it just it's not realistic but one thing i did appreciate that the the flight attendant explained it's like yeah the emergency exit like that wasn't going to come open but with two like big basically big bowls like throwing each other around uh you could have damaged like the quote unquote the fuselage like you could have damaged part of like the the actual airplane body itself yeah from the inside and that would have it could have like depressurized the plane like i i she didn't sound she didn't make it sound like you know, everyone was going to die doing that, but it would have been a problem and would have required an emergency landing. And this over is when they're the Atlantic. Yeah, they're flying over the Atlantic. So that wouldn't have been a good thing. Yeah. So she, it was very credible. She's like, they need, they need to stop. I, I want to point just for because we mentioned at the beginning that Jim Ross was the, the ranking management guy on this on this flight. He. He talks about the fact he keeps going back there and getting after people, and he's, um, you know, he's trying to ride hurt on them and stuff. And Jr. says, like point blank in the course of this, he goes, "No, this was my responsibility, and I didn't do a good enough job." Um, yeah, but you know, I was, I was trying to keep a handle on it as much as I could. And yeah, bad stuff happened on his watch. The other side I have to it is. You know, he, he does make a point. He's like, you know, if you're supposed to be an adult and act like an adult, should I have to sit on you the entire time? And I can't do that with an entire plane full of people. 
He's yeah. very he he's one person and like if even the agents had been doing their job instead of joining in, I think it would have gone better. But like, I mean, I don't know what else he could have done. Like, it was just it was just him and maybe like Gerald Briscoe, like around. Yeah. And, and by the end of the episode, when they're interviewing him, he did he did bust out that line where it's like, you know, you I basically saying. Yeah, like I was the one responsible. Maybe I didn't do as great a job, but like, you're 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 a damn adult. Like you need to control your behavior, and I shouldn't have to be, you know, baby. Basically, holding everyone's hand to make sure that they're they keep themselves in line. And it's true. It's like he, there was so much crazy shit happening. Like he couldn't have controlled all of it. Like, like he probably did the best he could. Flair was like what 47 or 48 at the time. He didn't know that you shouldn't yeah. um accost a stewardess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and I mean let's be clear at, at, at the end of this like Scott Hall got fired. Um after this. Kurt Henning uh, got fired too. Kurt Henning got fired. I don't remember if Dustin did or if he got suspended. He didn't, but he got he must have got suspended because he was kind of on thin ice for a while and I remember yeah. that this is um this was like when Book Dust was starting to take off and then they do the um two thousand and three they do the Tourette's thing and then that kind of becomes like a meme on the Howard Stern show and he comes on as a guest. So he wasn't as active. They like no. chopped his schedule back. No, I think he hangs around to like 2004-ish, and then he gets really bad. Then he goes to Impact as um. Is that Black Rain? Yeah, I can't. I couldn't remember because people you because that meme Chocolate Rain came yeah. out about that time, <laughs> and that was like the joke about him in TNA. And then I think that's about when he cleaned up. It's when he came back around 2007, yeah. 2008, and he like has kind of been okay since then. He was, um, it, yeah, whenever he, he showed up in TNA as Black Rain, he had put on a lot of weight. And God he was not. I Chocolate Rain song stuck in my head now. Let's go ahead, since we, we're, we're talking about Dustin, jump over to his. Um, there are, there's there's uh, a couple of, of things that roll in with, with Dustin on this flight. And we, we mentioned earlier him getting on he got on the intercom and was singing a David Allen Coe song. I don't remember what it was, but he and he and Terry were divorced. I guess not really recently, I guess. Um, I'm not clear on those dates, but you know, it's, it's to her. I miss you. You're the only one I love that sort of stuff. And she's just, you know, mortified, but, um, you know, he's 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 doing that and the stewardesses can't get the microphone back from him until he like sits plops down in the seat and passes out. Well JR apparently came up to him and was like, You need to stop this. Yeah. Uh and allegedly he did comply with that. that. Yeah. Uh, also he was using the um the uh seat back pouch. Like he had a oh, he had God, a chaw yeah. in and he had a seat. He had the the pouch on the back of the seat that he was spitting into. So that's um, gross. Yeah, exceptionally gross. 
Well, it's disgusting too because you know that there was beverage containers everywhere, probably either empty bottles or something, or even just like the little cup that they give you, like a yeah. soda. And like he could have used that. He was yeah. just being a, a drunk mess. Well, I mean, everyone on this flight was being a drunk well, mess. Yeah. But. Yeah. And there, Matt, you were saying there's another aspect with with Dustin that was they didn't talk about in the episode they didn't talk about this in the episode uh and and by not talking about it it made dustin seem much better he seemed more of a uh kind of a sad character because you know he's he's up there drunkenly singing this uh song which people did say like it became uncomfortable and kind of disturbing after a while yeah uh but he also did he allegedly did help the 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 flight attendant with flair we can get to that in a second but there is there is an allegation from the 2004 uh lawsuit that was filed that basically does say that he basically sexually accosted a flight attendant i don't know if it's the same one or a different one but he basically in his drunken state told her like we're gonna have sex and i think he like supposedly grind grind grinded himself against her that's the allegation I'll have to, I'll have to, because I, that part I've not heard before, so that one's new to me from other things I've read, but I haven't read everything at the time. I need Mm -hmm. to see if I have the Observer issue on a drive somewhere where all this gets reported to see if, Uh, um... It's the, the, I, I would have to look up the exact date, but it is, um, it is like a late May 2002 Observer, and it is a... 2004 observer that has the information about the lawsuit and i read i actually read it last night it doesn't provide many more details about the plane ride for the in the 2004 issue it it, when it discusses the lawsuit it kind of just mentions that that it was filed some additional details such as the dustin one Mm. uh but it doesn't really provide much more than the 2002 observer and the 2002 observer i would say uh, probably provides as much detail as you get from this episode, but there is Brad. Was it a it was it a podcast episode? I forget. They did, did it I as forget. a Patreon only, and um, he was actually on our show. Um, Dave the Thread Killer did like oh, okay. a massive write up transcript of it on Pro Wrestling yes. only. Yes, and, and that that provides the most detail I've ever seen. Yeah, and which it. it it would make sense because it's from JR. Yeah, and that's the first time I felt like we really got like a blow by blow. Now, if you want to find that, it's the forums, I think, dot pro wrestling only. And it's um, the thread title is The Thread Killer Talks Too Much, where he recaps a bunch of episodes. You'll find it in there. And it's literally, I want to say it's like almost like a 25 paragraph like recap of like what Jim Ross says. And it's very detailed. Yeah, and it's like, it's like blow by blow chronological. Like, I would say. I would say read that first and then watch the episode because I feel like this omitted stuff and was it didn't really you don't get the true horror of everything unless you read the JR recap yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Because like because of like you read the JR like chronologically you're just like oh my god like oh my god like that that's kind of like your reaction every couple sentences because shit just like keeps happening. Yeah. And like, like Supposedly, there were other really bad um, uh, flights that some of this stuff gets conflated with. 
But this one is notable because there was so much wacky stuff that um, I guess it was just so much wacky stuff piled in in one small stretch of time that you know it just busted at the yeah. seams and got all over everything. But I don't I don't remember because I guess it's time to go. Is this main event time on the the list? Shad. Yeah, yeah, we're we're going into the main event of the evening. Okay, so now I do not remember. I should have read it before this. I do not remember if Jr. kind of went over everything, but kind of the idea was the 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 thought for a long time was that Flair was nude and had his like robe on. Is that what it was? Yes. Which is is um kind of his deal is from what I've heard. Yeah, that's that's apparently a common flairism. Um, supposedly, and I haven't found a source for it anywhere, but supposedly there's a sting quote that says, "I've seen Flair's dick more than I've seen my own." So that was um, that was something that was something Jr. said on the podcast that was quoted directly in Dave's thread was, "I've seen Ric Flair's erect penis more times in my life than I probably should have." Yeah. Um, well, I mean, a lot of people have said similar things i remember um i haven't heard too much of the what's happening when podcast with with tony shivani but i i have and tony probably has in like the first 12 episodes has two or three flare stories about yeah you yeah. know seeing flair engaged either seeing flair naked or engaging in sexual activities and it's kind of disturbing like flair lived the gimmick brother yeah and so so let's just say like um you can think whatever you want about any of these allegations, but like I said, um, he has a history of behavior that owes him no benefit of the doubt. And you should just take what she says at face value because based on his behavior all of his life, he did it, is my opinion. Like, no questions asked. Like, oh, yeah. you said Flair did this? Like, I 100% believe you. Like, here, just file the lawsuit now. Because, um, like I said, I have no doubt that it is as she said, a hundred percent. And it is, there's, yeah, it, it fits a pattern of behavior. Um, but I think for a long this, time, do the, the dovetail that goes with it, but we're going to stay right here for now. But, so for a long time, people just thought it was a flashing because I don't think anyone that reported on it saw the other stuff. And I don't know if anyone noticed other than Dustin is kind of what I'm wondering. And if Dustin was in the, the state that he was purportedly in, then people would probably cast doubt on him regardless. Yeah. So. So he kind of cornered he kind of cornered her in the galley, right? Yeah, she was yes. back in the galley and Flair comes and kind of blocks the door. And galleys aren't exactly big on airplanes. No, you can fit like yourself in there. So if he got, if she was in there and he got in the door, she's totally a hundred percent trapped. Yeah. And supposedly he's like helicoptering around. Um, and comes back to her and like grabs her by the hand and coerces her into touching uh his member and it's just and you know obviously she's not 
she's a married woman with a brand new baby at home having to put up with this. And now this happens. It's like, holy hell. And she said, you know, this this was longer than it should have been. This went on for like minutes. And um, it's and by the way, incidentally, Flair denies it ever happened. Like he's he's put that um, he's got a statement out that he denies this ever happened. I mean, it's him against I believe Jim Ross over him, too. So. Yeah, Rick, dude, you gotta, you gotta, one of the best of all time in the ring, but dude, outside the ring, you, you got a history. I'm and not you, even gonna say a reputation. You got a history. And you should have been, de- if if you really didn't do it, you should have been denying this 18 years ago because it's been, it's been out there that at least part of it happened for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, there's the other part that goes with this. And the, this is this is weird to me, I guess, because okay, so this comes out and like I said, this is eighteen, nineteen years ago. So there's a probably a significant portion of the current wrestling fandom that doesn't actually know much of this like they may have heard of it but they haven't heard details so this is all hitting them fresh right well and i think i think if you've only been a fan for like 10 or 12 years um they changed a lot as like a company after the benoit murders that's when they really kind of started cleaning their image up and i actually think um stephanie mcmahon does not get enough credit for how she managed to sanitize their public image where Vince would never have been able to do that. I cannot imagine how many long hours she put in working yeah. on that. But but they they did they really like from about I'd say 2009 to about 2012 they like really rehabbed hard, and she did a good job of like kind of casting that carny image aside and then becoming like a respectable company. Now he was. When did the PG era officially start? Does anybody remember? I'd say after the Nexus angle, didn't it? Um, probably before that, because that's when Brian Danielson got cut loose for strangling Justin Roberts with his tie. As that was probably about the time <clears throat> that it was starting. Okay, I, I know. I like the event in my head is. Like you can point to very clearly when the PG era started because that's when they changed the name of John Cena's finish, but I don't remember when that was. Because even like as late as 2008, you had like the Edge Lita sex show and live okay. sex. Yeah. Okay. So probably 09 then. Yeah. Um, okay. But. So we've got this going on, and this is the thing that kind of dovetails into it. And the thing that confuses me is this getting more attention than the flair aspect was as one of the guests on this. Like, if I run down the guest list on it, you have the the flight attendant who I'm doing a disservice because I, I I didn't write down her name. Um, nah, she, we don't need we don't she doesn't we don't need to her do name that doesn't to, need to be out there attached to this any more than it does. It, but it, it's yes, yeah, it's attached to it 
like in, in a way forever but it's also she's not a public figure yeah so she, we don't we don't need to draw more she can be out. anonymous she's not like she i mean it, she obviously put her name on it for the documentary but i do not feel the name the need to know her name or to look it up she deserves her privacy in my Correct. opinion so the guests they they had guests on it that people who were guests on this and were in the um you know that that behaved in a way that seemed to have like credibility uh rvd okay rvd having uh, rvd like raging pothead to rvd as the guy who's looking around at all this going on and going this is messed up um terry um obviously <laughs> our, our the flight attendant and jr just incredible is kind of riding the fence on this like they all come off as kind of level-headed and and you know credible in this mike kyota kind of comes off as a goof um but (laughs) well and and also can i add something about mike kyota like he doesn't it's not quite this bad uh but there is almost a level i almost say like he excuses it but he maybe diminishes it because he'll explain all this behavior because i think he might have been the one who's talking about like, oh yeah, they would people would H bomb people and H bomb ring rats and everything like that. And they either it was either him or Dreamer said like, oh yeah, like that was we would use him as a rib. And it's like again, it's it's completely sociopathic to be doing this to yeah. people. I, and I for them to be described as like, oh, it's a rib. Oh, it's funny. It's like it, it's not really funny. No, and we getting this is. Let me. I'm sorry to cut okay, you off, Brad. It's like if you. Uh, if you're out like drinking with buddies and you have a guy who like you see like he's drunk and maybe you you get in like that extra shot to to you know make him pass out like that that's riding a line I think that's you know that's a little shitty that's arguably very dangerous yeah yeah that's, yeah, that's really it's shitty dangerous. but that that it's dangerous it's shitty but that at least if you're all out uh, drinking and the guy's already drunk like pushing him over the edge is shitty but at least it's like he he got himself like ninety percent there and that's still different than intentionally drugging someone like that's it's just i don't know it's a line it's a bad line to cross for it to be like kind of like well boys will be boys you know they they did this sort of thing as a rib at at the very least at the very least adding one more for lack of a better term dose of alcohol to someone who's been drinking a lot they're gonna they're gonna vomit right like their body's gonna reject the extra poison that's in their system and they're going to vomit as opposed to throwing a freaking benzo into mm. your drink. And then all of a sudden they're, they're just spinning off into this whole world of jacked up that is really hard to do anything about, you know, Holy shit guys, come on. Right. Um, but dreamer starts talking Wait, about, can we, can we lay some groundwork though is Tommy Dreamer came up in probably the most sociopathic and evil locker room as far as all this stuff goes. Yeah, when you mentioned that just incredible, like being a dude, being what seemed like a regular dude and still having a soul, I was thinking he was in the ECW locker room, yeah, too. You know who, like, well, even RVD. Yeah. RVD yeah. did not excuse any of this behavior. He, he I, I guess 
I was talking to uh, Brad and Chad before the show, and like the worst I guess you could say about RVD is that you just kind of like sat back and let some of this bad shit happen. But at the same time, it's like, what is he supposed to do? Was he supposed to like fight a bunch of his coworkers to prevent them from being like degenerates? But he was at least in this throughout this thing, he was like, yeah, a lot of this shit's fucked up, man. Like he made no excuses for that yeah. for any of the behavior that was going on, which I did kind of appreciate and. I mean, he was right there in, in ECW. He saw God only knows what he saw back you, in the day. You know who else Ooh. turned out painfully normal is Shane Douglas. Yeah. yeah. He's like a manager at a Target now. And like, if you just hear him talk now, like he's lost. Like he, I've always thought he was a dickhead back in the day, but like more modern Shane is just like a normal guy. Um, I've only heard a little bit of, but he, he's not, he's not an intense dude. It seems like, um, no, it, he did the, you shoot with Sean Oliver, I think. And he was just, he was just like, yeah, that's what it did. Um, or this is why we were doing that. You know, he wasn't trying, it didn't seem like he was trying to grandstand about it or anything. He was I, just like, yeah. It's, I think the further some of those guys get away from the industry, the less that toxicity affects them. That you, yeah. I think wrestling just breeds. Um, well, it's one of those things where you're part of your job is to go in front of a group of people you don't know and get a reaction out of them. And so that's part of your job. You're trying to do it all the time. Therefore, you're going to keep it. It's going to become second nature that you keep trying to do that all the time. Um, I look. I am. I am aware. I am acutely aware, and it's it's better now than it used to be. But from me, like telling a story, like very very consciously trying to make sure that I don't run off into into making it bigger than it was. And it's just like you know, let, let's get a hold on this here. Who are you trying to put yourself over to? Um, but. You know, here's here's Dreamer who comes out of this incredibly toxic locker room and his brain being so scrambled, he admits to blacking out doing everyday things at home. Like this is not this is bad. But Tommy, dude, there's. Trying to excuse what Flair was doing is is a is a bad look. No, and it didn't yeah. seem like I've caught them on some past dark sides where I felt like they kind of slipped someone's comment in out of context to yeah, what was going on, and I don't feel like it happened here. See, one okay, just for the sake of of argument, grain of salt. Um, the thing that bugs me in a lot of cases is that there are enough instances of other news magazines and stuff doing deceptive editing or like they did this to Mick Foley. They showed him one clip, got his reaction, showed him another clip, got his reaction, played his reaction to the first clip after showing the second clip to make it look like that that's his reaction to the first one was his reaction to the second one. And they say, Oh no, that's just journalism. And it's like, you know, so I, I have a healthy distrust of that sort of thing. But on the other hand, 
they didn't it didn't seem like they chopped a whole lot on, actually, on Bridget's comment. You know, oh, actually I think people are mad at him for his lesser comment. I think the bad comment he made was essentially he was like she shouldn't have taken the settlement if it was that bad is essentially what it came down to. And I think that's like his really bad comment, whereas other people seem mad about the first comment. I agree. I agree. Uh, I would say the, it's it's possible. I'd have to actually go back and, and see like his comments and, and to see how they're phrased, because in, in, in line with the whole like, is this deceptive editing thing? They could have asked him a question not specifically about Flair accosting the woman. They could have asked them. They could have been asking him a question as like, "What do you think of Ric Flair? You know, getting completely naked with just his robe on, and then doing the helicopter. Like, what do you think?" Because his comments could have been just related to that. In which case, the 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 thing about his comments that got him in hot water is that he basically diminished it as. Oh, that's just like comedy. Like Flair would do that, which yeah. at the time, the really, the thing is, like at the time, Flair didn't actually suffer much uh, punishment for what happened on the plane ride from hell. I don't think he suffered any. W- yeah, yeah. It, it, if it was, if he suffered anything, it was minor because in the argument used, and Meltzer writes this in that 2002 write-up of the plane ride, it, it, he wasn't punished because what he did was considered by management, and I imagine that means Vince, to be like essentially comedic. Uh, but that it, that did not make reference really to Flair accosting the woman. So I'd have to go back and see if if Tommy actually mentions the issues with the flight attendant in that whole spiel where he's like diminishing things. He could have. I just, I'm, I may be... Yeah, that, that, that one, that one in context... That one I would need more context for. Like, I don't think it's a great statement, but I don't, I don't, I, I if if he had just said that, I would just be like, yeah, whatever. But it's the, it's really the, it's really the second comment he makes that I think is the bad one. But I don't know why people, I feel like people aren't reacting to that one. I feel like they're reacting to the flare one. I'm like, but this is the one, like the flare one you can write off as needing context. But the other, but the the one about the settlement is in total context, and that really shows like his state of mind towards it, which I feel is the more damning statement he made. Yeah, because his it's he seems to view the entire thing that happened as just like it was just like a goof. And yeah, and I, I let me play devil's advocate here. Um, it could be that in Flair's mindset, which I'm sure he, Flair is a hard partier. I'm, I, I highly doubt that in the entire time, both the seven hour delay and the, the flight back that Flair didn't imbibe himself. And I highly doubt that when he did imbibe, it wasn't to excess. So Flair may have been in a very inebriated state, but let's just leave and like stipulate that in Flair's inebriated mind. Maybe he thought it was funny to expose himself and to crowd the woman and try and get her to touch his penis. Like he may have thought that it was in his mind, yeah. all a joke, all a joke. Just, it's hilarious. It's like, like again, um, it's like that I, Simpsons episode where Homer gets really drunk and looks down Maude's shirt and Marge is trying to get him to remember it. And his mm-hmm. recollection of like what was going on is not what happened. I, I think like it could be something like that it could be that's playing devil's advocate uh it doesn't make it better i'm just no it doesn't but you could you could make an argument 
that he in his mindset was trying to approach it or thought he was being funny. Yeah. The th- the problem with that, the obvious problem, is that it it's not up to just you. Like the if the other party is uncomfortable and doesn't want any of that attention or behavior or to be harassed and accosted and put almost you know sexually assaulted then what you thought like kind of goes out the window it's like it doesn't fucking matter like yeah. if the woman is uncomfortable like unfortunately like that's that's the rules of society and i don't i don't say unfortunately like i i, I disagree with it i mean it's like tough break asshole the rules of society are if you're a dude it's like you can't fucking expose your penis to a woman without her wanting that and you, sh- you sure as fuck can't try and get her to like touch it it's like that's it's beyond the pale yeah, yeah. and the the thing i'll say two things like one i kind of to give your point a minute ago like i kind of do i i think let's style this as a documentary it, it's it kind of i wouldn't really carve it as a documentary but let's it's a close it's like a docu series i guess but yeah you should trust no documentary pretty much every documentary is just like watching the news nowadays it's like it has it has an editorial slant it's trying to push and they uh, they make they make honest mistakes like there's other dark sides i couldn't tell you right now but mm-hmm. i've caught them making mistakes like factual errors before uh a kind of unintentional or uh guileless harmless no, i'll say harmless but not intentionally deceptive uh, editing mistake or something like that is excusable. But it is it is possible that things can be presented out of context or done in a way to try and, and set a narrative here. But I'll, use a, so, I'll use a great one is um, making a murderer that Netflix did. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty good. So they well, so it, you it, totally watched like that podcast, but. So you totally watch that and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, they totally set this Stephen Avery guy up because they wanted revenge for this other thing. And then you go online to research. And you're like, oh, my God, they left out like this whole mountain of evidence that they had against him, including DNA evidence. They just totally like omitted from the oh, documentary. Yeah. yeah. Like and then you think, well, holy shit, this guy's guilty as fuck. Yeah. Or even like um, um another serial mm-hmm. is a great one where that I yeah. was just going to. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Cause it, like a lot of the case file and all that stuff is online. You're like, Holy shit. She left out. Like he had motive. Like they, people, oh, that, there were that, witnesses that he tried to get in her car that day. And like, serial, all this... it, serial is a great example because a lot of people, a lot of friends, we know everything. We, they listened to it like at the time it came out and they were like, Oh, I don't know, man, maybe he deserves a new trial. And my wife, my wife and I listened to that. And both of us were like, oh, this dude is fucking guilty as fuck. Like, I don't know why people are thinking otherwise. And that was blatantly attempted to set a narrative because you'd have – I forget the name of the, the podcaster, but she would – Oh, Sarah Conning? It's like – yeah, yeah, Sarah Conning. I fucking hate her. She would I... phrase it. It's like, oh, oh, uh, what's his name? Adnan? Yeah, like, Adnan. Adnan sits – as I talk to Adnan – he looks at me with his big, beautiful brown eyes, and it's like, what the? They're like fuck, a cow's lady? eyes, or something. Yeah, like it's that. like, oh, oh my god, lady, could you be more like biased? Yeah. And it's it. That's a great example. Um, so you you take things with a grain of salt, but at the same time, it's like I don't know how you spin what happened as like again that me playing devil's advocate a minute ago is probably the best you could do with with Flair's activity, 
and even that it's like it doesn't matter like you can't do what he did and i think i think i think if you let's say let's say the way they had done it was a little more dubious then i think Mm -hmm. i think it's fair to call back to his reputation and a pattern of behavior and then look at it and be like well like they didn't present it well but like i think there's good standing based on this 30 years of him doing Mm -hmm. shit exactly like this yeah uh the other thing i was going to say though is like and this is also kind of playing devil's advocate because the the attention dreamer got afterwards wasn't was pretty was pretty intense but i would almost i would kind of agree like i don't know if it's commensurate to his comments because his comments are like shitty uh but i feel like he's getting more heat than rick flair was that's exactly the that's point the thing to. that confuses me yes, i don't understand why people basically like oh he's his career's done like fuck tommy dreamer and it's like what he said was shitty because he is what it was essentially like a sexual assault and he diminished it yeah as like no no it's just like a goof which is bad but yeah people want to like you know end his career and i'm not saying like the guy should have no repercussions he's been he's been suspended from impact which that's fair but it's like would you fire him and never see him again like i don't know that i would do that i would almost say like you you'd suspend him you let him sit out for three to six months maybe and then you can bring him back if you want and see how things go but people are giving him more heat than fucking rick flair and it's like rick flair is the one who did this shit yeah yeah I th- and Ric Flair like still and and with Tommy Dreamer, your shit. Mm-hmm. if he didn't if he didn't see the galley part, he might not even know that that happened. Well, that that's well, her accusation. he denies he denies that Ric Flair would have ever done something like that by force. Uh, he he says Flair never would have forced himself uh, see, on now, someone or forced someone to do that. And it's like see, now I, where I have a problem with that is is I hate when people do that because you actually don't know what another human being can do until they do it. Like how many people, how many people like who, whose parent or like, you know, like how about the kids of like Dennis Rader? Like you think they didn't think, Hey, uh, I wouldn't have thought he would have done that. You know what I mean? Like you don't know someone until you don't really know someone unless you're in their head. So I I have a problem with him thinking those absolutes because you don't really know Ric Flair because you're not Ric Flair. Like you don't know anyone unless you're them because you don't know what Mm -hmm. goes through someone's head. If you're going to if you're going to want to make a blanket statement like that, it needs to be with someone that you have known very very closely for a very long time and even then you should not and it's it if i have some friends that if someone said that i would say wow i have a hard time believing that because it would be so wildly out of character for him to do something like that it's like no i i have an extremely hard time believing that. and and the thing is that when you say stuff like that though you know all it takes is a head injury and the person you know is not that person anymore like things happen yeah that's that's true um or a little touch of you know maybe i mean not in this instant but you know they get a little older maybe some mental illness sets in or some cognitive decline you know you know it just 
it just I don't like speaking in absolutes of other people like that because you don't know them. You like especially especially Ric Flair. Like come on, you're like fucking come on, Tommy. Like yeah, you're that, saying uh, this about just... Ric fucking Flair. That that's a hell of a hill to die on. Yeah. Yeah, I, like he's I, been married. He's been married. What I like? He's fourth? on his like fifth wife. Yeah, and um, just just the stories he even tells. Like when he talked about what was that in that documentary where he talked about waking up next to what a Martian or something where he got blackout drunk and he woke up next to a woman he didn't even remember it. I don't remember that. Uh particular story but, but like I, i'm not saying it didn't happen i'm just saying i don't remember it i'm just saying like they, of all of the people on this earth to say something <laughs> like tommy dreamer said rick flair is not the person you should ever well, die it, on that hill for it also doesn't entirely make sense even in like the context of what was going on on the plane where it's like you, they they spent this time being like oh yeah like a, a rib that a common rib that that flair loved to do that popped the boys was get completely naked except for his robe and then like you know helicopter his penis around oh but but it's un, uh, unbelievable that he would actually accost a woman and it's like you're talking about the man prancing around naked yeah like on a plane and then like you know gyrating his penis in front of everyone but the concept that he would like accost or or do that and, to a woman, like a flight attendant who happened to be in the area, is like, oh, he would never do that. It's like, That's... this doesn't entirely make sense. It's not logically consistent. And, and like, if, and I imagine the conversation afterwards, I know, and I think, the, and shame on the airline for pressuring her to settle, by the way, fuck them. Um, mm-hmm. But I imagine the conversation after this at WWE headquarters was someone says something to Vince, and Vince is like, he did what now? Like, well, get the checkbook. Like, I'm pretty the, sure that's the conversation. Like, not even questioning it. It's just, like, get the checkbook. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that, like, aside from the airline being like, well, we don't want to make a big deal out of this because we'll lose future business. It's like, now, hold right the hell on. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. You take, stick up for your employees. You like, take fuck care that. of your people. Here's the other thing. They tried <laughs> to force the flight attendants to clean up the plane before they could leave. And it's like, no, that is people who need hazardous materials training to come in and, and clean that up. That is not, you get the flight attendants to do it. I, regardless I, of whether I, they went through all this or not. I think even Jim I, Ross said on his podcast, he's like, I know they settled. He's like, I don't know how much they got, but he said, I think he said, I'm pretty sure it wasn't enough. Like Jim Ross was super like in the podcast. He sounded super remorseful about what they got put through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chad, yep. uh, to go to your hazardous material thing, like it, this was this was thrown out there and kind of gl- completely glossed over. But one of the, the the stewardess, the same one who had been interviewed, was basically saying like, yeah, when they left, we were having to clean up. Like we found a bunch of like fucking hypodermic needles and shit. Yeah, oh, it's like that is literally a biohazard. There, you don't know what fucking diseases people have. Like. It's that, well, These especially that, like, wrestlers that have like, you know, like yes. at least at least eight guys on that plane had hep C. And um, hazardous materials training also includes bodily fluids. 
they did say there was vomit. Pretty they said sure. there was blood. Yeah, there's blood. Uh, you know, saliva also counts. Hey, is it too far out of the way to think that there might be piss and shit somewhere? All of those things. Qualify. Oh God! And you know, you know, you know the, you know, some of those guys are just hawking loogies on the floor like a bunch of animals too. Yeah, and those all qualify as biohazardous materials. You do not just turn to the, regardless of whether or not they went through this whole ordeal. You do not just turn to someone and be like, well, I guess you're cleaning it up. It's like, no, 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 no. You call in people who have training in materials to clean it. No, you don't. You know what you do? You go get a bunch of gas cans. You just splash (laughs) around. Yeah, just burn the the whole fucking thing down because it's beyond repair. Uh, You just burn out the interior of it. Can I I go to a point that you're making, Chad? It's like it's it is real shitty that the the plane company basically just forced them to do that and didn't want them to actually bring a lawsuit things like that yeah that unfortunately is not that didn't surprise me in the least because oh, I, I i imagine that still happens i, I imagine we're, they, mm-hmm. i imagine anything involving celebrities because you know you know fucking celebrities still do this shit all the time and you know these they, companies they, these companies mm-hmm. cover and like force people to keep it quiet for their business stuff they're uh I think they mentioned like they did a lot of charter flights for like athletes and athletes. Unfortunately, the WWE is not, I mean, they may have like some somewhat more boorish uh, people on the roster, or at least they did back at the time, but it, professional athletes are not necessarily the most upstanding of people. No. And for, uh, for all the heat Meltzer takes, um, He's at least willing to mm-hmm. report on this stuff where a lot of sports journalists are little bitches and don't mm-hmm. and like cover for athletes and their shitty behavior all the time. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff gets way more covered up than um, mm-hmm. than it does in wrestling. It it kind of happens. Oh, and colleges, in colleges, colleges are horrible about covering up their athletes like committing rape and like sexual assault and stuff. Oh, oh uh, crimes. I, I uh, wasn't it was Jemias Winston. Yeah. Pretty. Sure, if you actually look, look at the details, I'm reasonably sure like that dude raped a woman oh, in I'm college. Pretty, well, I mean, he, that was, but he's had he's had behavior since. I remember, um, was that two years ago? He he like sexually assaulted that Uber driver. I don't recall that. I don't believe it. Because he got I, susp- I think he got suspended a couple games in the NFL for that. Yeah, but it. it Based upon like information that came out at the time, like I'm pretty sure like he he did full on uh, rape or sexually assault a woman in college, and that was covered up. And one of the, a, a great recent example, I guess not that recent, it's been a few years, but Ray Rice, mm-hmm. when Ray Rice just brutally assaulted his, I think it was just his fiance, fiance at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, no, no. Um, and, actually. It might have just been his girlfriend, and they got engaged in the interim. It was either his girlfriend or his fiance mm-hmm. at the time. And he got didn't he get like a like maybe like a two game suspension or some mm-hmm. shit like that initially for the NFL? My and wife says they, they tried... got engaged after. Uh, well, that's okay. Uh, you know, yeah. I will comment on that. But the NFL at the time, they tried to play this song and tap dance 
song and dance thing where they're like, well, you know, we, we, we didn't, you know, we didn't know the extent of it. And it's like, bro, it came out afterwards. Like they had all seen well, the video of him assaulting her. They no, had all, everyone in the NFL management had seen it. They had seen it and they still only gave him a, a two like game suspension. Could, and only when that got leaked to the media and it, it became such a big thing, did they suspend him for it. And it's like, y'all are just pieces of garbage remember the like really remember the worst that. part about that though is everyone was like was okay with that and you could literally before they couldn't get the inner inner one he was literally dragging her unconscious off an elevator and it's like he oh. obviously punched her out like come on let's stop being stupid it's here. horrific yeah it's horrific or um i mean how much did greg hardy get the, uh... what greg hardy remember he he like assaulted his girlfriend horribly That one I don't recall. Or um, even Floyd Mayweather, people really just... Oh, he's, yeah, he's a he's, piece of garbage, too. Yeah, he's a piece of shit, too, but I mean... I was I was going to add in there, I mean, if we're talking about collegiate-level stuff, should we throw in uh, a reference to convicted rapist Brock Peterson while we're at it? Because they tried to cover for him, too, and he still got convicted, but he got off with a super light sentence for some damn reason. Well, it's, if he also wanted to go into that dark world i mean it, joe pa joe yeah. paterno oh god and yeah. who's the who's the dude that sandusky sandusky yeah. yeah like they they fucking knew about that shit for years yeah like if kids getting abused and they they basically let it happen because you know joe pa and sandusky like they won games for us so let's look the other way well, that, it's like the, there's that, so much of that type of behavior that one um i guess what i had read is that one janitor that walked in on him and that boy in the shower, I guess mm-hmm. he just like the rest of his life was just fucked. And he like never got over seeing that. Well, how can you? That's yeah. A, it's yeah. one of the worst things you could see outside of, you know, someone actually getting murdered. You're, you're either going to have a mental break and not be able to deal with it, or you're going to flip out and kill the guy in that moment. Like that's, that that's, it seems to me like that's how the bottle's going to break when you drop that on the floor. What was the college that just got busted for all that stuff? Was that Colorado or something? I'm not sure. I mean, I know so, that's, that's, that's shooting with a wide barrel, but... What I want to do now is I want to go back to something we had said earlier, because we have uh, before us now an opportunity to go back to talking about the, um, the, the culture shift that's taken place. And I'm going to be real honest with you. The people who get pissy about the fact that the boys these days are like, Oh, you know, they sit in the back and honky tonk that people play video games as opposed to harassing the divas backstage and stuff. You know, honky, well, honky's got a well-known reputation already, but you, I, I got to say, we have a, it seems like, I, I'll, I'll qualify, it seems like the big leagues in the states have rosters of people who genuinely enjoy the business, and they didn't just get into it for, uh, you know, easy payday, and are, you know, I'm going to say have a way, way healthier outlook on life. Eh, I'm, I maybe in the WWE, but I mean, we, we just had a show last year about, um, 
Joey Ryan and I, I, I suppose I should um, say David Starr. It, when I say big leagues, I'm talking about WWE AEW stuff. Like, yeah, okay, that's a fair enough point. The the speaking out thing um, brought a lot of that stuff to life, and you know, maybe maybe David Starr is a janitor now. I don't know. Um, he tried to make some. He tries to make some weird Twitter comeback every now and then, and Joey Ryan. <laughs> is trying to silence his accusers through nuisance lawsuits and bankrupt oh. them to get cuz he he's he's an absolute he is he a, was going to do a fucking show like an indie show and actually like talent got booked for it and then it came out that the like the basically the people behind it it was like Joey Ryan's company or or they were associated with Joey Ryan and he intended to actually wrestle on the show or be on the show. And once that came out, even some of the talent that had been booked were like, Whoa, what the fuck? I didn't agree to that. And bowed out to the point where the, the show wind up, it got canceled, but he's still trying it. Yeah. He's so it's like, he's a, I think it's mainly one accuser. He keeps, he's got like tied up with um, nuisance lawsuits to try and keep her quiet mm. um that's been okay. his primary tactic i don't know what david Starr is up to as much let me let me requalify my statement there. let me amend my statement it seems that there is a it is far more widespread to have um a healthier attitude in the wrestling business now than in years previous I'm just going to be honest. I think they just drink less and that causes less problems. Well, okay. So they drink less. They're self-medicating less. They're taking care of themselves more and they're doing, to be frank, less dumb shit. Um, that's, these are all good things. At least, you know. Yeah. So. uh, there, I don't, I don't understand that. You know, the people that decry that and they're, are calling them soft. It's like, you know, you, you understand that they're probably making, they're probably making the more correct decision about how to handle this business, right? I think some of those guys that complain about it though are more. It's more about the, it's more about the, um, you know, we used to hang out and you know BS and stuff and have fun backstage not like the you know not remembering the that bad stuff that happened and now they're kind of like man now i go in and you know everyone's just off in their corner like playing on their phone and stuff and it's just kind of a bummer because i kind of want the camaraderie that's not there anymore sometimes what i think those guys are saying too mm-hmm. which i see is that's the most common way i see it phrased but i don't i still don't know that i buy it you know, if if you want to say it's like, OK, uh, you know, the guys doing the gaming stuff don't have camaraderie. And I just kind of turn and gesture towards the New Day guys. And I'm like, really? Um, you know, but. Yeah, but if you're a honky tonk man, though, you like you can't relate. You can't relate well, with the guys playing with video games because you're like, like 60. So, I mean, like I kind of get I kind of get it from his perspective, though, because you do. You do feel a little left out because it's like, oh, man, like I don't I don't have anything to like offer. And I mean, you're not you're not a meme like the Sheik where like probably all the phones 
phones <laughs> drop and like like say like fuck me in the ass and make me humble and then you yeah. know like you don't have the meme power of of shiki so well, not anymore anyway yeah i don't i don't i don't put a lot into that though because because the thing is like you can be mad at those guys but a lot of the guys now 15 20 years from now are going to be saying the same thing about those young whippersnappers because every generation yeah, does, does that happen. yeah so i mean it's just it's i just see it as um what old man yells at sky thing old man yells at cloud yeah, yeah. that's that's all i see it as i but, i, I but, I, I, I going to maintain that I think the culture shift has largely largely been good. I mean, I, it's not entirely different, but there's been a big shift that I think has been beneficial. And I think the other thing with the current culture, I'm not saying it'll happen, but I think you got to give it another five years for some people to get away to start getting shoot interviews and stuff to see if um, to see if there's some some dark undercurrents that you know, we don't see like the darkest undercurrent that I can think of was the, uh, Xavier Woods page Maddox thing. And that was, as far as anybody can tell, a a consensual arrangement. Well, I mean, there was the whole Alberto Del Rio cocaine, cocaine thing. Yeah. Del Rio being, um, a, a walking felony aside. (laughs) the best way to put it right yeah well i mean i mean Paige's family is kind of creepy too she's got a yeah my understanding she has a very carny family well remember her mom her mom came up in the speaking out thing because mm. mm. wasn't she um wasn't she she like tongue kissed like a 13 year old didn't she i don't that know one there the was some allegation yeah there was so much stuff that was in that um, that there was so much stuff that happened in that that it did not all stick. So I no, don't I don't my takeaway from that was the British scene had a lot of problems in the last decade. Uh, yeah, because was was that Travis Banks? That was the worst one, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Because he was the one... Remember that guy that was, like, outside her hotel room, like, knocking for, like... I think that was Banks. Eh. I'll have to go back and listen. I I don't remember. Yeah, Um, I don't either. It's been been a year. And a lot of a year. Yeah. and, and, And not... That subject matter was rough so shed so, what is your ultimate opinion do you think do you think it would have do you think they should have formatted it to be chronological or do you think they did okay with it or do, do you think um do you think they kind of diminished what really happened by jumping around so much i don't i don't think that it diminished it um and honestly i think it was laid out in a coherent way it's just there are some sections where someone makes reference to something somebody did later, but they talked about earlier and that, that caught me for a moment, but I thought it was a good, I thought it was honestly a, a good piece of work that 
conveyed the overall story pretty well. Um, you know, if you've only got 45 minutes, you don't really have time to drill down to the specifics and, um, and, and really like dig into that and laying out your timeline and that sort of like you're constricted by your time limit. You're constricted by your commercial breaks. I thought it, I thought it was fine. Um, I mean, none of the dark side of the ring stuff is exactly fun, except for the amusing insanity of Herb Abrams. But uh, it, it's a the Herb Abrams one is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is almost like cartoonish in its just weirdness. I, but I actually think that the Brawl for All one's not too bad because. There is some hilarity in how delusional I thought Jim Ross and Jim Cornette came off and how big they thought Dr. Death Steve Williams was going to be in the WWE in like 1998. Well, I think that's because their thinking on that was thinking that that Doc had a history of being a tough guy and that's that's who they were leaning on and someone they were already friends with. So, of course, they're kind of going to have that opinion. So, okay, okay, I kind of get that. But but man, I wasn't even hand, like I wasn't even super smart at the time. And even I thought in 1998 as a 17 year old, I'm like, man, like he really feels more like a guy that should be in WCW than than the WWF. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, but I, I can see why they came to that conclusion. Um, do I agree with it? Eh, I don't know. I mean. I can't really say that in hindsight. I thought Bart but, Gunn came off really well in that episode. Yeah, it, it it was exceptionally shitty that Bart Gunn wins their stupid their their stupid in ring boxing matches on a wrestling show that got people legitimately hurt because it was stupid, and then they threw him into Butterbean of all people. Well, and I thought I thought. I thought Jim Ross and Jim Cornette also came across super lazy when they're like, we can't do anything with Bart Gunn. It's like, yeah, if you actually put some effort in, you could do something with Bart Gunn. Like, he's not going to main event WrestleMania, but there's no reason you can't throw him an icy title reign or, like, work him in as, like, a high-end mid-carder. You, you totally squandered something with yeah. him. That's, that's, that's fair. Um, oh, I thought Godfather. But... Godfather came in came off really well except he was like he was like legitimately sad he lost that fight which was kind of sad well yeah because his wife had already spent the prize money effectively um i don't know that that it's that that one was was just kind of rough because i'm thinking about all the guys that got hurt and everything they missed out on because they got hurt in this stupid ass idea um and then there are some of them that are just so hard to watch that I don't think I ever will. Like, I kind of wanted to do the Brawl for All on an episode at some point. Just to relish the badness. And that would be interesting. Um, like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to bring myself to watch the Owen Hart episode. Oh, you I'm, know who I'm, else I thought was really interesting on that episode was Butterbean. He really came across well. Yeah, he, he said, he, I, I, I think he said something to the effects like, I didn't want to, you know, murder the guy, but, you know, they told me to go out there and, and do my thing. And No, he, he talked about, he was like, you know, like, 
they they had him all mixed up with this stuff trying to make him a boxer and he's like i watched that stuff of him in the brawl for all and he's like if that guy had showed up to that fight like he might have stood a chance against me but they made him stand up and box and like he just like he had no chance and he's like and he was in it like because you could tell he was a pro he's like well i hit him once and he got back up so i'm just like eh, i'm done with this and i just comboed him into oblivion pretty much is what he said yeah and then i think and then then bart gun got into mma fighting and like he he was supposed to get a rematch for butterbean but it didn't happen for one reason so the i think what he took away from it is in mma he beat a guy quicker than butterbean beat him or something or he beat a guy that beat butterbean and he took that away as his like redemption factor. It's just consolation. Yeah. And I don't think he got the prize money. Oh I really? Remember. I don't remember. I have to. Well, it's it's. I it's called dark side of the ring. We're not talking about shiny happy stuff. No. And at, at some point, I'll probably try and make my way through the jake episode but that's not gonna be that's not gonna be a fun time no i beyond the mat was enough for me yeah um so anyway we had to do lawler eventually i don't know man i i don't I know that there was an outtake at one point where, where Cornette said he's like damn it are you guys ever gonna have one of these where i can come off in a good mood uh (laughs) But, um, I mean, it's it's not like we're getting shiny, happy uh, stories out of these. They're they're going to be rough. But this has just kind of set the internet on fire, and we couldn't not talk about it. No, and it's it's a subject I think we talked about way before this at some point. I think we had talked about doing a recap of it, like way in the early days of the podcast, like the first six months or something i think this was on the um i think this might have been like on the schedule or potential episode list at some point and we just never got around to it we we i think we kicked it around as an idea and then just kind of never picked it up yeah because there was a point where we were talking about and it was right before dark side (laughs) of the ring started i think right when we were thinking about it we were going to do like a pro wrestling true crime and stuff like this was going to be on there and um and I think I wanted to do it after the Jim Ross podcast because that's where we really got like the 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 oh. really just got like a def- definitive like recounting of it, and it was less because we're still kind of waiting for um the Saudi Arabia situation to really get like that kind of treatment. Yeah, yeah, because there's just not enough uh, information for us to really dive in with because i think i think um the only the only real definitive statement we got i think was gallows and anderson pretty much confirming it to be more like the initial impression than the pr spin version that later came out yeah i agree with that yeah Um, so um i like I said, I think my takeaway from it is um, I do not give Ric Flair the benefit of the doubt at all. I believe her 100% um, in this situation. I would agree. 
Yeah. There, there's, there is just, there, there's too much history for me to, to be able to, to, to doubt her on this. It's, it's too consistent. Yeah. It's, it's his MO to the T I'd say. And, um, I'm glad, I guess I'm glad for her that this is probably some level of vindication for getting pressured into the settlement and stuff that she kind of gets to, she got to put it out there. Yeah. And, um, she got that, but she said that's not what she really wanted, but, um, you know, it, it, none of it is going to help the you know that's not going to erase the trauma or the fact that her employer was pretty much you know they Piece weren't throwing shit. her under the bus but they were they were no let's, let's they threw her under the bus let's let's be honest here they threw her under the bus you don't well, you don't you don't fucking you don't fucking side with clients that abuse especially in a sexual nature your employees like that's throwing them under the bus like you, you, you morally have an obligation to side with your employees in those situations. You absolutely should. There's no question about that. But I was, I was going to pick a different term because throwing her under the bus would have. The connotation there is that that they put all the blame on her for it. And look, I'm not down with victim blaming stuff. Too many times, victim blaming falls in with this. Well, this wouldn't have happened if. It's like you hold right. It wouldn't have happened if the person who perpetrated the crime didn't do the damn crime. Um, you know, that's, that's not the fault of the person who, you know, like, like let's, let's back up. Okay. You know, it, it, let's, let's consider that. Like, unless we have evidence, I guess I should say, let's back up. But, um, you know, I, that it, this, God, the terminology just gets so complicated around this. So, all right, I think that that's gonna. I think we've we've talked this about as far as we've got to go with it. Unless you guys had any other thoughts you wanted to throw in. No, um, we are okay. I'm not going to promise GWF next week because there's a good chance we talk about the Arthur Ash. Um, card. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say <laughs> that true. now. Um, yeah. There's a good chance we talk about that. I swear to God, we will get to the second part of the GWF tournament. And we, we've had a, we've had a request in the pile for a while too. Like, I am yeah. sorry. Like, it just seems like every week, like something insane happens. Either something cool or something just absolutely bonkers happens. Yeah. And it, it, we can't. I, we don't do as much contemporary stuff as as we used to, even. But the, these are things we can't just like. No, let we've go. literally we've literally had the WWE stockpile another promotion's upper mid card and main event with mainstream, well liked, misused, perceived to be misused talent over the course of six months. And now they're panic hot-shotting because they didn't realize they were stockpiling another promotion with talent that could beat them. Yeah. It's, it's... God. 
there's a, there's just so many dynamics that go into it. And I think we talked a bunch of them about a bunch of them before, but it's it's impressive how not well WWE's handled stuff for the last number of years. Nope. So, all right, Matt, did you have any parting thoughts you wanted to put in? Uh, not really. Other than I, I do kind of agree with Brad. It's like I, I feel. Flair's behavior is it's it it seems true like I would believe it uh and everything else is kind of I guess people weren't it's a good way to put it it's something I hadn't thought about that's like probably the a younger generation wasn't aware of everything that went on which makes sense because like all that happened like 19 years ago it's crazy to think it's been that long but yeah it my is, niece wasn't even alive when this happened no she yeah. was no, I'm sorry. She was alive. She was, she was two months old when this happened. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people probably weren't aware of the details of it, uh, and it is a good thing overall that the culture has largely changed uh, because it, you can talk about how like you know guys in the back just play video games maybe, but it's like that's better than them you know technically date raping people. Yeah. And and doing other like incredibly dangerous sociopathic things so uh, uh to me it's that's a positive i'm glad that that wrestling is moving further and further away from that sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah all right well everybody um this has not been a shiny happy episode but <laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for being here with us um like we said next week we'll probably end up being the arthur ash shows but uh and and we'll have some more fun with that. But, um, you know, we'd like to hear from you on social media. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, say, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. And we will catch you next time.